find other great podcasts like this one at podmoth.network. Welcome to Bad Axe Podcast. I'm your host, Danielle Blinka. And I'm your co-host, Aaron. Bad Axe is brought to you by the Podmoth Media Network. Check out Podmoth for more great podcasts. You can support the show and get an entire year's worth of bonus episodes over at patreon.com backslash badaxepod. There's a link in our show notes. And membership start at just $1. You can also support the show for free by leaving us a positive review and telling a friend about us. This weekend, that's right, it's finally here, July 15th through 17th. We are going to Cogpalooza. Technically, we will be there on the 16th and 17th. We're doing a live show. It's about real-life superheroes who mostly ended up becoming accused colonels themselves, which is pretty fun. And also, we are going to be doing two panels, one about podcasting and one about why people like true crime podcasts, which is going to be super interesting. We have like a whole bunch of fun things to talk about. Comicpalooza is where we are going to be. There's a lot of things going on. Terry Crews is going to be there, which I thought was super awesome because he is so famous and just a really cool dude. He cracks me up in every single thing that he's in. He's hilarious. So very excited about that. And there's a bunch of other cool stuff. I know they're doing a whole bunch of anime stuff. They have like a bunch of anime guests. I'm not as into anime, but they appear to have like a really great anime panel going on. There's a lot of comic book stuff. There's a bunch of, I think there's people from the show, The Magicians, I believe are there, which will be cool for everyone. And there's just something for everyone. There's also wrestling. And I feel like I've never mentioned that before because I personally am also not a wrestling person. So I just kind of block out that whole part of it from my mind because I'm more of a nerdy person. So yay, books. And there's going to be comic books are there. And there's superheroes are there. And cosplayers are there. Like that's kind of my jam. But if wrestling is your jam, there's going to be wrestling there. So you could come see us do crime stuff and then go see the wrestlers do wrestling stuff. That'd be pretty cool. And there's going to be library stuff there, too. A lot of books. That's a lot true. of books to see. My friend is a librarian. My friend's a librarian, and she's going to be there doing library stuff. And it's going to be awesome. So definitely check out Conclusa if you are anywhere close to Houston. It's going to be super fun this weekend. You should come see us. All right. We are doing part two of our case from last week. We're going back to San Juan, Puerto Rico. If you have not listened to the last episode that we did, you definitely should go back and listen to last week's episode so that you know what's going on. Because otherwise, this one's not going to make as much sense. And it's going to be less interesting, I feel like. So definitely go back and listen to that. Now, to briefly recap, on September 22nd, 2005, a man stabbed businessman Adam and Hank to death on the cobblestone streaks of Old San Juan. Although a jury convicted 22-year-old Jonathan Roman Rivera, his family and friends did not consider this case closed. And that is where we are picking us back up. Adam's family always suspected that Adam's wife, Aria Vasquez Rijos, was behind the murder. Adam's family and friends specifically claimed that Aria mistreated Adam. 
while they were together and that she didn't even seem to really like him. And that's obviously a red flag when everyone you know starts to suspect that your wife doesn't even like being around you. Yeah, legit. Yeah. And they started thinking that really she only married him because she wanted to get to his $24 million. Over time, the family even began to suspect that Roman, the man who was convicted of this murder, wasn't even the person who committed the crime. And maybe he was just in the wrong place at the wrong time and drew the detective's eyes. Because if you remember from last week, Jonathan Roman Rivera was initially a person of interest because the police went to go question Aria in her bar slash nightclub slash restaurant and saw him and was and were like, oh, he missed he meets the description of tall, heavy set guy. Yeah, exactly. Because he's the only tall, heavy set guy in like, all of Old San Juan. In the entire city, yeah. In the entire area. Adam's father, Abe, went to the La Perla neighborhood, which is where Jonathan lived and where this bar area was, and started talking to people. And like I said before, this neighborhood doesn't really like talking to the cops, but they are very tight-knit. And a lot of people know what's going on. Like, these are well-informed people about their neighborhood. And as he was talking to these people who were on the ground, he started learning that pretty much everyone thought that Ramon was innocent of the crime. Wow. Yeah, like they all believed his story. And if you recall, he had no criminal record and didn't even know this guy. He really didn't have any other reason to have been the criminal, except for if you believe the prosecution's version, which is just that it was just like a random act. And he just was like, I guess YOLO. Random acts of violence. Yeah, like he seriously has never done anything else that's that's like any kind of crime. But he just decided in that moment, like, I'm going to do a crime. Woo. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so the, the people in the community are like, nah. And there were some people who actually did think that Arya had hired a hitman. And as Abe was talking to people, he started to find this opinion more and more. And he started kind of getting some, like, fingers pointed some ways. At that point, Abe decided that he was going to have to get some help because he wanted to get the FBI involved. As I mentioned last time, Puerto Rico is a territory, so the FBI can take over investigations, essentially. Now, he was at a little bit of a disadvantage because if you remember also from last week, we talked about how Adam was originally from Winnipeg, Canada, and which also means that obviously his family is from Canada, so they're not plugged in to, you know, American governmental entities. Right, yeah, they're not American citizens. Yeah, so he was having a hard time, like, trying to figure out a way to make sure that he could get the FBI to work on his behalf, considering that this was a solved crime in the eyes of the police. Yeah, at this point, he ended up hiring a, a private investigator at some point during this, this like personal investigation to help him try to track down you know, what's going on with Arya and help him figure out who this perpetrator might be. Some people who thought that Arya hired a hitman suspected that it could have been Roman. Like maybe that's why he acted out of nowhere. But there weren't a lot of signs that were pointing to him. And if you recall, the police had asked him over and over and over again to, to dime out Arya, but he never gave them any information. Like, he just kept saying he was innocent. He couldn't do that. And so, as time progressed, they started to think, maybe he really was telling the truth. And that's when people started to focus in on that witness. Because yeah. if you recall from the trial, I told you there was a witness who said that, that it wasn't Ramon who stabbed Adam. That it was actually this other guy named Alex. And so this person started talking to Abe and started talking to the police and described again what they saw. 
And not only do they see this Alex guy as the stabber, but this witness also described seeing the stabber stop after he stabbed Adam to death and talked to Arya Uh before he attacked her. Oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. So the sequence of the events is we have the guy emerge from the darkness. He follows them a little ways. They get to that dark area where the traffic lights out. He starts stabbing Adam, hits him with these cobblestones. Then he's laying on the ground. And Arya, who's been standing there, is still there. Right. The attacker turns to Arya, talks to her for a moment. And then he swings his hand, holding part of that cobblestone, and kind of like moderately hits her on the side of her face. And then she falls, and then that's when the attacker ran away. Yeah, to make just like a show of it, basically. Mm-hmm, to make a show of it. And partly to give her injuries, because I don't really think that Arya took into consideration that there would be a lot of witnesses to this, which doesn't make sense, because it's not like this is like... It's in a public place. Yeah, it's in a public place. And obviously there are people who live in this neighborhood, work in this neighborhood, who are out enjoying like restaurants and stuff. But I don't think that she considered that. And maybe considering that they also did it in that dark area where there were no traffic lights, she, maybe she thought that would give them more cover than it did. Yeah, yeah. So that is what this witness saw. So at this point, for sure, Adam's family, but also some of the police are starting to think maybe this wasn't him. Like maybe what this de- witness is describing does suggest that Arya was the one who set this whole thing up. Because yeah. why else would he be talking to her? Yeah, plus she has great motive. Mm-hmm. So we know that this hitman's name was Alex, but... After this witness came forward again, we got more information and we found out the full name of the hitman. And his name was Alex El Loco Pabon Colon, and he was a local drug dealer. Oh, wow. Yeah, so his nickname is El Loco. Yeah, which is always a great sign. Yes, I'm going to have to call him that just so everyone knows that. Oh, yeah. That's what I'm going to be referring to him as. I mean, that's what he goes by, so I feel like it's fair. Once the FBI learned about this whole situation with El Loco, they got involved and started focusing on him. And like Ramon, El Loco also lived in the La Perla neighborhood. So at least they did that correctly. (laughs) They got that part right. Yeah, they did that correctly. But they found out that he no longer lived there after the murder. If you recall from last time, I told you that this neighborhood kind of policed itself a bit. And after the murder, there were people in the neighborhood that knew that this El Loco guy is the one who killed Adam. And they were super unhappy about it. And so for his own protection, he ended up just leaving because he didn't want to, like, risk facing vigilante justice from these neighbors that were upset that he did this. Yeah, of course. When the FBI finally questioned El Loco, he admitted to killing Adam, but he didn't do it on his own. He also admitted to being a paid hitman. Uh Uh-oh. In El Logo's version of events, he met Aria at the Pink Skirt nightclub and restaurant, which was her business. Yeah. They first met on September 18th, 2005, which was four days before the murder. Aria's sister, Marcia, and Marcia's boyfriend, Jose, also attended the meeting. And at that time, they just suggested that El Logo assault Adam. And I say they just suggested. Obviously, that's very bad. Yeah. But it's slightly better, I would argue, than murder. That is true. Just a little bit. Just a tad. Just a tad, a tad better. Also, I want to note that Marcia, the sister, is actually who put them in contact. El Loco and Aria. So she's like really into this plot. Yeah, she's tied in. Yeah, very into this plot. 
They did not finalize their plans that day, and instead, they decided to meet again a few days later on September 21st, 2005. She gave him some money, though, because El Loco was supposed to buy a gun, and her fantasy version of the murder, Aria thought that he should shoot Adam dead. Right. So, she gave him money to get this gun. Now, a few days later, on the 21st, they met up to finalize these plans. Now, I feel like it should have probably been a red flag for El Loco that... She needed him to get a gun. Yep. Because at that meeting, she offered to pay him $3 million to kill Adam. Oh, my God. That is so many dollars. I know. Holy shit. I know. That's like a lot. That's a ton. I feel like I'm repeating myself, but I'm also confused about how, if you if you remember from last time, she's going to get $8 million. Like, if he passes away before they or is murdered, before they get their divorce, in the prenup, it stipulates that she would get $8 million. Yeah. So she doesn't gonna... get the whole 24 so, a three out of eight is like almost half of it. I know. She's going to give away like yeah. a huge portion I mean, of it. also, don't murder people. I don't... Yeah. I don't know why I'm like confused by this. I mean, she's clearly a bad person. Maybe she just never intended to pay him in the first place. Could be, yeah. Maybe so. She told him that she would move Adam into position on the night of the murder. And then, El Loco could strike while they were out on the street. And that was her plan. And they were hoping that it would look like a street crime. You know, that like they were coming from dinner, the killer struck. Kind of like what yeah. the police thought like might happen. Like it was happened. a random act of violence. Yeah. yeah. Like pretty much exactly what the, the, what the police went with. Essentially, is what they were hoping would happen. He says that Aria called him on the morning of September 22nd, 2005. This was the day after they finalized the plan for the murder. To tell him that she and Adam would be going to dinner that night. She told him to find a weapon and wait near the pink skirt. Now, this was short notice for him because I don't think that he realized it was going to happen that fast. So he definitely had not found the weapon by then. So he had to scrounge around to find a weapon. Ridiculous. He actually ended up stealing the knife that he used. And he got that knife from a restaurant in Old San Juan that's called Gaffe Guarino. He used that knife that he stole from the kitchen to kill Adam. Dang, that sucks. I know, which is so weird. It's so messed up. He actually waited outside that particular restaurant with the knife. And it's just confusing to me to imagine that you have this 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 nice restaurant in this place, this old sound one, and this guy walks into the kitchen, steals a knife, and then just waits outside the restaurant to stalk somebody with it. Yeah, that's crazy. Like, how does that even happen? I don't know. I mean, I'm just, I have a lot of questions about this. You know, that's not even, even an important part of the case. I just am having trouble yeah. understanding the mechanics yeah. of this. Legitimately, though. Yeah, so that's what he ends up doing. Arya had also told him that when he did the attack, he had to injure her so the attack looked legit. Yeah. According to Aloko, Arya wasn't the only person in on the plot. Because not only did Marcia help and Marcia's boyfriend, Jose Ferrer, but Arya's brother, Charbel... And her mother, Carmen, also had, like, minor parts in the plots. Man, it's like the whole family is getting in on Yeah, this. pretty much the entire family. So, Jose Ferrer is the one who notified El Loco that the plan was in motion that night. And he went to go away at the pink skirt until Aria gave him the signal when they walked by. If you recall from last time, Aria asked Adam to go back to the pink skirt before they went back to the car that night. Right. So when she went back there to, like, pretend to check on things, that's when she flashed the signal to this guy, to El Loco, to do the murder. 
So then they left, started walking towards that dark spot, and of course he followed them. During the attack, she just stood there, watched, and did not scream. Just let him beat and stab Adam. I don't understand how you just watch somebody do that to somebody else. I know, that's insane. Like, I can't imagine watching someone get murdered. After all was said and done, El Loco was supposed to get his $3 million, right? Yeah. She never paid him. Of course she didn't. Which, to be fair, she didn't get access to the money. So, I guess that could be her reason, is that she literally didn't have $3 million. But, I guess it really didn't backfire in this situation. Because, I think we've seen other cases where somebody didn't pay a hitman, and either they tattled on them, or they attacked the person that hired them. But, in this case, nothing really happened to her, and he only confessed because the police caught him. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess... That was her plan all along. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I guess it worked out for her. Yeah, I mean, until he confessed. Yeah, and then like pointed the finger at her. Yeah, yeah, for reals. So, after his confession, El Loco pleaded guilty to his role in the murder and agreed to testify against his co-conspirators. On June 4th, 2008, the federal grand jury indicted Aria Vasquez Rijos on charges related to hiring someone to kill her husband. After the indictment, the court reversed Ramon's conviction and freed him from prison. Nice. However, the case itself was far from resolved. Although I do have to say, I'm super happy for Ramon. And he wasn't in prison for that long. I mean, it can't have been nice to be in prison at all, especially for something you didn't do. Yeah. But I think he actually ended up only being in prison for about a year. Which, considering how long some of these other people who've been falsely convicted of crimes have spent in jail... It's nice that he only had to spend the one year. That is true, yeah. Yeah. I'm sure he's relieved that he didn't have to spend the whole time in there. Yeah, 105 years. So, I imagine so. Yeah. I don't know if he would have finished that. I mean, being real. He might have. He might have lived to be like 150. But, I like how I mean, we're just openly saying this. We're not trying to make light of any of the parts of this of crime. Cor- of course not. But it's just that, like, for this poor guy. I mean, he was 22 years old. And gets sent away for... He didn't even do anything. I know. It's wild to me. Especially because we've seen some cases where people got way less time for crimes that they did that were, like, really bad. And then he didn't do anything and gets 105 years. I know. All right. So, they have this indictment now. Everything's looking up. Except for nobody knows where Arya is. The FBI needs to find her because in 2006, which is a year after the murder... Vasquez left Puerto Rico and moved to Italy. She fled to Italy knowing the extradition laws there would protect her. She traveled there on a student visa saying that she was going to study filmmaking. Right. She did not study filmmaking. Of course. Of course not. Spoilers. Yeah. She changed her name to Beatrice Dominici. (laughs) Although sometimes she went by Aria Dominici. Not suspicious at all. Yeah, although that's kind of a fun name, Dominici. It it is. It's a fun name. I know. It's less fun when it's a murderer. That's a good point. And she also had the nickname, BB. Of course she did. I think it's, like, interesting that she gave herself a new name and a nickname. Yeah. It kind of lends a little credibility to the story in a way. I guess, yeah. And she essentially started an entirely new life. And initially during her travels, her sister Marcia and her brother Charbel helped support her. I say initially, but they helped a lot over the years. And ironically, she never did receive that money from Adam's estate. And so she had to do some finagling. Because if you recall from last week, Abe, who was Adam's father, was the executor of the will. And he used that power to withhold the funds. 
until the case was totally closed on Adam's murder. And even when she sued him, he was able to win that case by showing that this was an open murder and she shouldn't get any funds until it's resolved, nice. which is pretty interesting. Yeah. But that did not stop Aria from creating a new future for herself because she settled in Florence and she got a job with a tourism organization because she was really into travel, apparently. And she spoke English and Spanish. And then she started learning a lot of Italian while she was living in Italy. And this enabled her to do really well for herself as a tour guide because she was able to take a bunch of different tour groups. She would a lot of times specialize in taking American tour groups around European countries. And so that helped her out because she could communicate with them. Absolutely. Soon, she met an Italian man who caught her eye and they got married. Oh yeah, watch out, bud. There's actually more than one version of his job. A lot of sources say that he was a taxi driver, but I've also seen sources that gave another job for him, so I'm not completely sure what he did. But essentially, they met and then got married. In August of 2008, which was around three years after Adam's murder, Aria gave birth to twin daughters with her Italian husband. Oh, dang. Yeah, and at first, people were just thinking, oh, she's going on with her life. But later on, this would prove to be sort of a tactical move, and we'll see why in a moment. People who knew her in Italy described her as a good person who was a very dedicated mother and who was very helpful and always there for her friends, which is weird because it contrasts so much with everyone who knew her in Puerto Rico. Exactly, yeah. In 2011, Aria and her family cooked up a new scheme to help her escape justice because by that point, she'd been indicted for this you know, murder-for-hire plot. And she was just trying to figure out how to stay on the run. Essentially, they decided from the get-go that she was never going to turn herself in. Like, she was always going to try to get away from the FBI. And so, they started to think, what can we do? And part of the reason why they knew they needed to think of something to do is because she'd actually done a newspaper interview with one of the Puerto Rican newspapers. Like, a reporter had traveled over there to Italy to talk to her. And they had put her whole story out there because she was claiming that she was innocent and that she was this innocent victim and that she was a victim of the crime too and she lost the love of her life and all kinds of stuff like that. And so some people who knew her in Italy started to learn about her past and so that was also affecting her. And so she started to think, I need to figure out what I'm going to do because obviously Puerto Rico can find me if this newspaper can. And the only reason why the FBI had not arrested her is because they don't have jurisdiction. And so, like, even if they know that they have a criminal that's in, like, Italy and they're like, okay, it's her. Beatrice Dominici is actually Aria Vasquez Rijos and she's wanted for murder. They can't just, like, fly over there and stormtrooper in and get her. Yeah. They have to go through the authorities in Italy. And so, she knows that she could be picked up at some point. So, she decides that she wants a backup plan. So, in 2011... Her family helped her get some fake paperwork. And her mom, Carmen, had a lot more to do with this than the rest of the family. But they got her some fake birth certificates. And Aria was able to use these fake birth certificates that said that she was born Jewish to join the Florentine Jewish community. And they pretty much automatically accepted her. Wow. Yeah. Because the community is really tight-knit. And they are they want to make sure that they're helping other people, you know, be safe and get help and that they need. And so they did not question her. They looked at her documents and were like, oh, cool, this looks good. You can be a member here. And if you recall, not only was she not Jewish, but Adam was Jewish. And he had wanted her to become Jewish and to study the faith 
when they got married, that was one of the things in her prenup that she was supposed to do that she wasn't really doing. But then she turns around and uses that connection to weasel her way into this really tight-knit, helpful community and take advantage. Yeah, that sucks. Which is absolutely insane. And just also, too, to pretend to be a member of a group that has been historically disadvantaged or have had a lot of, like, prejudice against them and have had actual, like, war crimes and genocide committed against them. And then to use that as a cover to get away with a crime, ironically, against a member of their actual community. I know. It's just unthinkable. Like, I can't imagine what goes through your mind when you think, I'm going to take advantage of these kind-hearted people that are just trying to help other other people who might be in the same position as them, and I'm going to take advantage. Yeah, it's flabbergasting. It's absolutely ridiculous. So she was able to use those birth certificates, though, to get herself and her two Italian daughters labeled as being Jewish by birth because they had to get, like, a special certification from the community. And so she could basically use the Florentine community to give her legitimacy as a member of the community. Right. And she... Wanted this because that way she could go to Israel. Because you can visit Israel, but what she wanted was the ability to go move to Israel and basically live there in order to continue to hide from the authorities. Right. That was her ultimate plan. And so this was sort of a backup where she would have the paperwork. And she did go visit Israel, but she never ended up moving there. But that was her backup plan, was that she and her daughters could essentially escape into the night and then move to Israel and the government couldn't pick her up. Which is outrageous. Yes, it is. Hey, what's up, you guys? I'm Catherine. And I'm Haley. And we are Saturdays Are for the Ghouls. A podcast on the Podmoth Network. We cover all things spooky, like horror movies, true crime, the supernatural, and spooky stories. In the most chaotic way possible. So join your favorite ghoul friends every Saturday, wherever you listen to podcasts. And become a spooky babe! (laughs) So spooky babes, we'll see you in your nightmares! As she was living in Italy, the reason why she had so much protection against extradition is because the Italian government will not send people back to the United States to face trial if they're up on a death penalty crime. And even though the U.S. federal courts were willing to not pursue death penalty charges, or I should say the death penalty as a penalty, that doesn't really matter in this situation. Because the crime itself is capable of that. Yeah, and so they essentially would not send her out. Also, her twin daughters, if you recall, are Italian citizens. And so that awarded her some extra protections from extradition because now she's the mother of Italian citizens. And so that gives her like a reason for Italy to protect her. Yeah. Aria's happy new life wouldn't last forever though because her husband actually learned about her past from a newspaper article. And when he found out that his wife was wanted for hiring a hitman to murder her last husband, (laughs) he wanted out. Yeah, he had some thoughts about that. He was like, I don't want to be here anymore. (laughs) I need you to like not be here. Yeah. So they got divorced and he actually ended up getting custody of their daughters because of her criminal past. Which we (laughs) love saying the words criminal past from Night Day Fiance because like everyone on there that's committed a crime ever is always like, my criminal past, my criminal past. Mm -hmm. So every time we hear a criminal past now, we're like, buzzword. Exactly. Her criminal past. 
But yeah, so she had that incredible past. So she did not get custody. Ironically, she'd already been telling everyone that she was a widow with two daughters. So, I mean. Yeah, like you can kind of see the writing on the wall. Yeah, well, I think she was referring to Adam, but it's like those weren't not his daughters. Yeah. It took me a long time to be, I thought she had like more kids because I was, I was confused because she's telling people, oh, I'm this innocent widow with these babies. And I'm like, oh, she had kids with Adam? Like, when did that happen? They were only together for six months. And then I I eventually realized that it was the twins. Oh. Yeah, and I'm just like, hun, what are you doing? You have a whole nother husband. Okay. All right, hun. So they got divorced. He gets the kiddos. But she still did not have to go back to Puerto Rico to face justice because of this extradition thing. Meanwhile, Adam's family was still fighting. And Abe had hired that private investigator to help track her down. And he managed to track Arya all around Europe. In addition to Italy and Israel, she also went to England. She went to France. She went to Spain. She was just leading tour groups all over the place and just living her best life. But finally, in August 2012, which is seven years after the murder, her family had an oopsie. Because they decided that they were going to open up their own touring agency for Arya to make money. And because, you know, she's like over there trying to support herself. And so they had been helping her on and off. But, you know, like she's basically single. Yeah. So her brother Charbel opened an agency called Glad Kosher Travelers Inc. in Puerto Rico to serve as a touring agency for Jewish travelers. Because she was still leaning really hard into the, look, I'm Jewish. Yeah. Thing that she was doing. Mm-hmm. And this decision is what eventually led the FBI directly to Aria. At that point, from 2012 on, she was providing specialty tour- tours for j- groups of Jewish travelers. And in 2013, the FBI decided that they were going to do a sting to try to see if they could pick her up during one of these tours. And this was like their big moment. They knew they kind of only had one shot. They couldn't grab her in Italy, but they knew that she went to Spain. So the FBI actually met with Spanish authorities to set up the sting operation And what they did is they had the FBI agents call in to her company and pretend to be a group of touring Jewish travelers. And they hired her as a tour guide to take them on a tour of Madrid and I believe other parts of Europe as well were supposed to be on the table. With the Spanish government support, they waited at the airport for her to arrive. And so within 10 minutes of her getting in Spain to do this tour, the FBI was able to arrest Aria. Nice. Yeah, so they got her in custody. However, Arya's arrest was actually just the beginning of the next phase of the case. Because none of this can be easy, ever. And that's because she fought extradition back to the United States from her Spanish jail cell. Because even though Spain let them arrest her, they wouldn't let them take her back yet. Because of the whole extradition thing, Spain also doesn't extradite if you're going to seek the death penalty. So they wanted guarantees that she wouldn't face the death penalty before they extradited her. Right. So Arya went into a Spanish jail. And while she was in the Spanish jail, she actually met up with an Italian criminal who was also in prison on drug charges. And she managed to both marry him and get pregnant while they were both in jail. What? Yes. That is crazy. I know, right? So in the Spanish jail, she gets she gets pregnant with this guy's baby. They got married too. And she delivered her child in the Spanish prison while she's fighting extradition. That is, wow. I know. I can't imagine 
Also, just being being Adam's poor family and being like, she's arrested. When is she going to be here? And then, like, over a year goes by because she had a whole time to grow a whole baby. Yep. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. So, at that point, she went to court after she had her baby and argued that they should let her stay in Spain because she was the mother of a Spanish citizen. Same same thing. (laughs) Oh, my Lord. And fortunately, the judge was having none of it. Good. The judge was like, nah. (laughs) (laughs) And so the judge did agree to make the U.S. agree not to seek the death penalty in her case. But once they decided that they wouldn't do that, Spain let them have her. And so on September 24th, 2015, the FBI finally flew Aria back to Puerto Rico along with her one-month-old infant. And they didn't want to bring her on a regular plane because they said that they thought that she might start something because if you act all crazy, sometimes the pilot will just be like, no, because they don't want to have to like land somewhere or have like a crisis. Yeah. And so they just took her on one of the FBI's private jets. Nice. Yeah. So she went all the way back to Puerto Rico with her baby in tow. And when they landed, Aria went to the jail to await trial while her baby went into foster care. Now, rather than saying goodbye to the baby, right? This is her daughter. She may never see her again. Arya spent the little time that she had left before she went to the jail primping for the cameras. Of course she did. Yeah, because they had like a whole bunch of people there to see her, you know, be brought in because she's, this is a big famous case. And she's like, I gotta look cute. And her poor baby's over there not being cared for. That's crazy. That's wild to me. While reporting Arya's arrest, Authorities also announced plans to prosecute her brother, Charbel, sister Marcia, and her sister's partner, Jose Ferrer. Marcia and Jose were both charged in the murder-for-hire plot, while Charbel faced charges for perjury, obstruction, and tampering. Adam's father pointed out that his family were unhappy with Arya getting rewarded for fleeing, because they were worried that she was going to be sentenced based on Spain's guidelines. They already had some control over her not facing the death penalty. And so they were really fearing that she was going to get a super short sentence because of that. And like essentially her being on the lam this, this whole time, not only does she get those years out of prison and get to have all these kids, but also that she might get a really short sentence and get out early. And that was a huge problem for them. Even though she was like the main driver behind the crime. Yeah. And they even pointed out that it was possible that some of the other people might have actually gotten worse sentences than her. However, though, still at this point, she still would not face trial for a very long time. And that's because Hurricane Maria came around. They already had a bunch of delays. And then in 2017, Hurricane Maria hit and really, really destroyed a lot of Puerto Rico. Yeah. And so they had to keep delaying this trial even further while they recovered from Hurricane Maria. Finally, Arya's trial began on August 21st, 2018, which was nearly 13 years after Adam's murder. She pleaded not guilty. Of course she did. Yeah, of course. I feel like there was, like, no chance she was going to plead guilty at that point. Yeah. I mean, you don't, like, flee to, like, all of Europe and and then just tell them, oh, you got me. Right. You got me. So she pleaded not guilty, and at Arya's trial, El Loco testified... And authorities also presented a letter that he had written to Arya at one point asking for his payout. Now, there's some debate about this this letter because the defense tried to argue that the letter had never been sent. But according to El Loco, he had somebody bring it to the pink skirt. And Marcia is the one that saw it. And she was just like, we don't have any money. So just tell him we can't pay him. 
And then the person brought the letter back to him. So it's kind of unclear about whether or not she ever saw the letter. But the prosecution argues that the existence of the letter is proof that this happened because the letter was already made before they arrested El Loco. Mm, makes so sense. It, it makes more sense that he would have written it because this is what happened. Yeah. The defense, meanwhile, their whole argument was that El Loco just killed Adam on his own because he's so crazy. What a great argument. Yeah. Airtight. And they were just like, his nickname is El Loco because he's crazy. Crazy. I don't think they said it in that tone. Also, you can't see us, but we're doing like hand motions like crazy. Yep. But that is their argument. Like he's just, he's just so crazy, your honor slash jury, that he, he just killed this guy. I mean, that's, it's so bad. I don't even know. Yep. I mean, it wasn't us. I know that part. That part's for sure. It wasn't not us. It was it was that guy. Like he for sure did it. He on his own because he's he's he doesn't even need a moment a motive. He doesn't need a motive because he's crazy. That's what I'm gonna start just saying from now on. When it's like Danielle, who ate the last of the snacks? I'm gonna be like our neighbor did. Because he's crazy. <laughs> because I, you, know, you don't take responsibility for anything anymore, right? Yeah, you just blame it on somebody that's crazy. At the conclusion of the trial, the jury deliberated and found Arya guilty. Good. Marcia and Jose also received a guilty verdict on their trials. After her conviction, Judge Daniel Dominguez sentenced her to life in prison without parole for the murder for hire plot which I'm sure was exciting for Adam's family because she did not get a posh sentence. She got life in prison without parole. That's the worst you can get aside from the death penalty. That's right. Honestly, I think for some people, it's worse just to be in prison that long. Yeah. The judge also sentenced Marcia and Jose Ferrer Sosa to life in prison without parole for their roles in the crimes. And if you recall, they're like the ones who really helped out because Marcia helped find the hitman and... Jose was the one that was, like, telling the hitman where to be and when to go do the murder, so... Yeah, they were heavily involved in Yeah, this. without them, they would not have been able to commit this crime. Yep. They'll all serve their sentences in a federal prison in Fort Worth, Texas. <laughs> nice. Which I feel like is even more punishment, because now they have to be in Fort Worth. Ha, <laughs> ha, ha, ha. Please don't leave us a bad review if you live in Fort Worth. Please don't do that. I'm sure there's lots of cool... We would definitely enjoy... I'm going to be right by Fort Worth this weekend hey, for in. like four hours that's before right. that my plane leaves. So. Yeah, that's right. It's right down the road from us. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. We just, we tease, you know, we tease. Yeah. Aria maintains her innocence and at her sentencing accused Abe Anhang, who is Adam's father, of character assassination. Oh, of course. Yeah. And that ever since Adam's murder, he had been out to get her. And she even asked him, are you happy now? And he told her to shut up. <laughs> yeah. And I think I think he might have, like, regretted that later. But I feel like that's the best thing that he could have said. Like, I feel like it's, it's just, you know, it's, so, it's just dismissive. Like, it's it's like you're not letting it get to you. Yeah. You know, just shut up. Like, I don't have time for you. Like, I'm not going to insult you. I'm not going to argue with you. I'm not going to just pretend like I don't care. Because obviously you do care. Because your son was murdered. But just a shut up of, like, I'm done with you. Yeah. Shut up. Yeah. 
I mean, it's about all you can do. Because, like, when somebody that yeah. assassinates your kid accuses you of being a character assassin, like, I, I feel like that's, like, your chaos in court moment where you're, like, uh-huh. where you're like I'm going to go beat some ass. Like, exactly. you know, it doesn't even matter that she that she's a woman. She's, he's, like, I got to go beat some ass. He's, like, come on. He just jumps over the, the turnstiles or whatever it is. Yeah. He's, like, your honor, th- there was no choice. I mean, Exactly. Come on. And that makes us remember that they need to make more episodes of, of Chaos, Chaos in the and Court. Court. Yeah. It's the best show. It is. And I, I know it's bad because, like, the part of me that's, the like, the good, pure, innocent part of me is is thinks things like, our justice system should be smooth, and of course we should respect everyone, even if they've done bad things. But when I watch Chaos in the Court and there's, like, a family crying because some murderer or molester or whatever did something terrible to their family member, and then someone breaks loose and tries to beat some ass... I'm I'm like still back there yelling like get him get him like that's right every time I'm I'm over there on the edge of my seat it's like sports to me but with the family beating up the the perpetrator and I know that it's wrong but also I kind of want them to do it yeah also people make such dumb decisions on that show I'm sorry for getting distracted but we just saw I feel bad talking about this guy but I doubt he listens but there's this one cop who, for some reason, jumps off <laughs> like the top of a staircase trying to catch a guy that he was obviously not going to catch. And he's like, that was my one chance to get him. And I was like, first of all, I forget what his crime was, but it was not bad enough for you to jump off the stairs. It wasn't like he was Ted Bundy or something. He, he did some petty bullshit. But then also, too, is it your only chance? Like He still has to leave the whole building. You know who he is. It's not a secret. Like He was at the court. For trial. Like, you know exactly who he is. Yeah. Like, he's not going far. Yeah, there's a yeah. video of him escaping. Like, these are just more charges. Like, I don't think you need to to almost die jumping off of, like... And when I say jump down the stairs, I mean, like, like not the stairs. He went over, the like, the railing overlooking the stairs. Yeah. And just, like, fell, essentially, almost to his death. Yeah. Trying to get this guy, which he did not get. Yeah, that's right. He it's did terrible. Not it's so sad. Yeah. And I mean, I feel sorry for him. I'm glad that he was okay. I mean, he's mostly okay. Yeah. He has permanent injuries, though, yep. because he freaking jumped off of a staircase. But I was like, <laughs> what are you doing, buddy? Right. Like, maybe, let's, let's maybe think for a second. He's got some permanent... He's got some... Uh, super, he's watched too many superhero movies. I do think that might be it. But yeah, there's a couple of those on there. We also enjoy whenever... The people drive cars into stuff. <laughs> I mean, it's terrible, but it's like, how did how did you think this was a good plan? I know, right? Anyway, we should probably finish this episode and not talk about chaos in the courtroom. We're almost finished, but this could have been a chaos moment. That's right. But but Alan's father is above that. He's not gonna he's not gonna do that. So Arya to this day continues to maintain that she was innocent and that she's also a victim in the crime and that she misses Adam. Pretty much nobody believes her. I mean, I guess her family probably does, but I mean, none of the rest of us. Also, I should mention this, but at one point she tried to claim that Adam was mean to her and that that was why it was okay for her to kill him. Oh. But she also okay. loves him and misses him, so. Right, of course. It's both. Uh-huh. It's both. Also, if someone tells you that their spouse is being mean to them and you should kill them, like, you probably should not do that. After Aria, Morcia, and Jose all received convictions, Charbel Vasquez Rijos pleaded guilty to his role in the crime, which consisted, if you recall, of perjury, obstruction, and tampering. He received only two years for helping, but he did not do as much stuff. While the trial finally brought some justice to Adam's family, it cannot bring him back. And after his death, his family wanted to make sure that no one forgot him. And so to this day, 
they maintain a memorial website at adamandhang.com where you can read about his life and people's memories of him and look at pictures. I have included a link in our sources because I use it as a source for some of his background. And I just wanted to say that I think you know that someone left an impact on people when they have a whole website. Yeah. Because he passed in 2005. And so it's been 17 years and they still maintain that website. That's awesome. And you got to pay for those websites. That's right. And so somebody is definitely putting the work in to keep his memory alive. And I think that really shows how much he meant to everybody. That's right. And he seemed like he was a really good, a really good dude. And I think it's really sad that he was murdered, especially over something so stupid. Yeah. I I really don't care for cases as much where people murder for money because it makes me feel really sad and empty that there are people that don't value people's lives. They value what they can get from them. Yep. But at the same time, I think it's important that we talk about it because I think this happens way too much. Like, I don't know. It just feels like so many cases are motivated by, oh, a life insurance policy or we we built a business together and I don't want to have to get a divorce and share or I married someone that has a lot of money and they don't want to stay with me or they're boring. I don't want to be with them anymore. So I'm going to kill them and take it all. Yep. Just don't. That's right. Also, having a bunch of money is not everything. Like, maybe get a hobby or something. Yeah, for real. Like, I'm not being flippant when I say that. But it's just that having a bunch of money, like, obviously having enough money to pay your bills and, like, afford medical care and not be living in poverty is a big boon to life. Like, I'm not trying to say that money is not useful because it definitely is. But after you have, like, your needs met, being having, like, millions of dollars is not going to make you happy. Like, living in a big house is not going to make you happy. Having the best purse, having the best car, it's not going to make you happy. You're just going to have a nice car and still be sad. Having something fulfilling inside of you, is, is, or if you need pharmaceuticals because you have a clinical problem, then obviously the pharmaceuticals are, need, are needed. But if it's just about like having a fulfilling life, having designer clothes is not going to fill that hole. But like having people that you care about, having a hobby that you enjoy, having a passion in life, entertaining yourself doing fun things with fun people, those are all going to make you happy. That's true. And you don't need to have somebody's money that you killed them for to do that. That's very true. Yeah. So just, I'm going to throw that out there. Like there's probably a lot of poor people that are a lot happier than you are. If all you care about is trying to get money to buy stuff. That's right. And if that's you and you're feeling insulted, I don't say that to be mean. I feel like you could definitely change your mindset still and be really happy and realize that you did not, actually need those material items that you thought you did that's right yeah so i guess happy thoughts with danielle there you go (laughs) this is how i help all right well thank you for listening and um for hanging in there i I sound better but i'm not 100 percent. but my covid is getting better i'm excited i can smell again um i'm super excited about being able to smell i lost my sense of smell this time and i haven't i haven't lost it any of the other times like i've it's been affected and, like, I definitely smelled less good. Not myself, but I, I could smell less well, I should say. And then also, I, like, my taste had been off the last few times. But I've never had one where, like, I fully lost one of my senses until this time. I could not smell at all. And it was scary. And I was looking up that apparently a lot of people who lose their sense of smell don't get it back for, like, four to eight weeks because your actual, usually it's because, the, like, the cells in your nose are messed up and they have to, like, regrow. And I was freaking out. 
I did not want to go that long without being able to smell. I know that sounds ridiculous, but it's the little things, y'all. I apparently smell all the time. I have, I use body lotion a lot, and it's one of the things that are, like, my self-care things. Like, it makes me really happy to, like, open a new bottle of lotion. And so, I'd actually treated myself to a new bottle of lotion. It's how I discovered that my nose was broken. Not broken, but, like, it didn't smell. Because I was treating myself to as a pick-me-up because I'd had COVID, and then I couldn't smell the lotion yep. at all. And I, I made, I woke Aaron up. It was in nighttime. And I woke him up to get him to smell all the lotions because I couldn't smell anything. And then I realized I couldn't smell anything. And so I was constantly having Aaron smell stuff. And then he's bad at describing smells. And so I got some incense in the mail and I couldn't smell it. And I was like, Aaron, does this have a smell? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, what does it smell like? All excited. He's like, incense? <laughs> and he thought about it. He was like, mm. he smelled it again. He's like, oh, it smells like incense. It's incense, Aaron. <laughs> and he did that with, like, everything. I'd be like, oh, Aaron, like, does this lotion have a smell? And he's like, it smells like lotion. Like, okay, well, this is not helping. So, basically, Aaron cannot be your nose for you. <laughs> no. Sorry. But I can smell again. So, yay. yay. All right. Well, we're going to see you soon. Don't forget to come see get to Comic Palooza this weekend. If you're around, let us know what you think of the case. And we are hoping that you're having a good summer and that you're not too hot. And that you're having fun and you're not catching COVID, which is going around. So be careful out there. That's right. We will see you very soon. Bye-bye. Bye.